Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Ah, controlled crying. It's a topic that divides both parents and experts, but what does it mean and is it as bad as they say? Robin Barker is the author of Baby Love and she's seen many different theories around controlled crying come and go. Hi Robin, how are you? I'm very well. So can we start at the very beginning? Where does this term come from? Okay, so I was first, uh, apart Could I just say, it's really hard to cover this in 10 minutes. So (laughs) there'll be things here that people would probably like to research further. Okay. Uh, I first heard of the term probably in the early 80s. And I think it originated in England, the UK. Prior to control crying, I mean, what a terrible name anyway. The word control (laughs) puts everyone off. However, prior to what is known as controlled crying, which was basically in an effort to teach babies how to sleep by leaving them to their own devices and the mother going in and pat, pat, leaving, pat, etc. There's many variations on the theme. However, prior to that, you will find in all the old baby books from 1900, mothers were told just to let their babies cry. Okay, so my sister... uh, woke every night at three o'clock in the morning and my mother would feed her and she wouldn't go back to sleep, which we know now is quite a normal variation on what babies do. And my mother and father were exhausted. I mean, in those days, we, we didn't have the help in the house. They got up at five o'clock in the morning to wash the nappies. And so this was extremely disruptive. And it was the second baby. I didn't do it, apparently. So they went to the GP and he said, put her in the laundry. At three o'clock, feed her in the three o'clock in the morning and then wheel in the pram, put her in the laundry, which they did. Okay. So, I mean, eventually she probably stopped crying. But that was the kind of standard advice at those times for, for many mothers. So control crying was an attempt, I think, to soften that, to sort of say, well, instead of just putting them in the laundry and letting them cry, go to the baby, etc., etc. And it was the term was not invented by Christopher Green. He often gets told, everyone says that, but I think it came from the UK, and that's the first time I'd ever heard of it. Mm. And so, so that's where we, it came from. And and now these days, I think what I find confusing anyway is there seems to be different names <laughs> for controlled crying. Well, you see, controlled crying is meant as a technique for older babies and toddlers. It's not really. We don't tell mothers to let their newborns cry anymore, which was what they were told at one stage. Uh, so it's more a technique for you know older babies and toddlers. And in fact, it's, it has a great deal of success. And there is no evidence really of harm. In a normal home with normal parents, a well-fed, much-loved baby who is healthy. Okay. However, with the change that came around in the 1980s, 1990s and so forth, where people started looking more at the emotional, psychological needs of babies, many theories came out about control crying. It was harmful, it caused brain damage. I even heard one uh, anti-control crying person claim it causes it was a cause of schizophrenia. So Holy moly. we had this, and then we had this business of comparing healthy babies in good homes with the Romanian orphanage babies, and so it all went a little bit over the top. 
So suddenly the people who help try to help parents with their sleep problems, say, you know, Tresillian, Caritani, early childhood nurses, some paediatricians, suddenly we're, we're in this situation where they might start to give parents of older babies and toddlers a plan to help the, the family, actually. Uh, and the first thing, of course, the parents say is, oh, I, I, I hope it's not control crying. I can't do that. So we then got into all these name changes, teaching to sleep, sleep training, control comforting, comfort settling, responsive settling, progressive waiting, to name a few. <laughs> so the person trying to help the parents with the sleep would say, oh, no, 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 we're not doing control crying, we're doing progressive waiting. However, it all boils down to the same thing. With older babies and toddlers who are up every couple of hours at night, uh, you have three options. One is to live with it. And people do. And, and so for some people, it isn't a problem. People like myself, who used to help parents through programs of teaching to sleep, control crying, whatever we're going to call it, sleep training is what it's commonly called now, which sounds much nicer than control crying. Um, people like myself helping parents, the first thing we have find out is, is it really a problem, what your child's doing? Or is someone else telling you it's a problem? So that's the first thing. The second thing is you really only have, you can go around the garden path, you can peel the onion a million times, you really only have three options. One is to live with it, and under that option are all the things that we do if we, we're going to live with it. Share the bed, three-sided cot adjoining the bed, one parent sleeping with the baby, patting, rocking, feeding, trying to ignore, bottles of water instead of milk, alternating nights on with a partner, reorganising daytime sleeps, night lights, sitting by the cot, and so forth. They are all part of one option. They are not all different options. So people who are anti-sleep training often present all those as separate options. But in fact, every one of those options, you are continuing to give attention and, and the baby the toddler will keep waking. Now, for parents who don't want to do anything else, all of that is fine. However, they are still going to be getting up at night, probably for quite a long time, maybe until the child is about three. The second option is sleep training, which involves leaving the older baby or toddler to their own devices, basically. Now, there's a million plans out there for trying to soften this and making it nicer. However, if any of those plans involve giving that baby or toddler attention, the whole thing's going to be stretched out for weeks and weeks. So when I hear people saying, well, I control cried him for six months. Oh, my God. I kind of think, right, well, I'm not sure what you're doing, but you're obviously still giving the baby attention. So it's a hard pill to swallow. It is difficult to do. It doesn't suit everyone. It doesn't succeed every time. However, there are enough times when it actually within two or three nights, gets the older baby or toddler sleeping well at night. The whole family dynamics changes. The mother's not exhausted anymore. It, it has a very positive impact on family life. So is it essentially closing the door and walking away? Because I have heard of people talk about Well, that is called crying. cry it out. <laughs> right. That certainly sounds like what would be going on. And, of course, that is absolutely frowned upon. Uh, look, if you've got five children and this is your sixth baby. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. You're probably going to do that and not think too much about it. However, for parents nowadays with only one or two children, you know, to, to leave their children to cry it out is something 
many, many people just can't handle. I mean, I don't know if I could, to be honest. So all the plans that go with sleep training are attempts to make it all a bit softer and kinder and nicer. You did say there were three options, by the way. The third option, (laughs) interestingly, is a sedative. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. And people who are anti-control crying uh, often talk about using sedatives. Really? They do. They do. And sedatives, um, look, they have a place if a baby's been sick, a toddler, you know, baby, older baby's been sick or parents are absolutely desperate and beside themselves, they can work once or twice. Mm. However, as a way to get a baby or toddler to change their behaviour, they don't work because after a while they become immune to them. You have to keep putting the dose up. They often only work for two or three hours and then they're awake at one o'clock in the morning anyway. So, and they're dangerous. Yeah, I, I mean, imagine. you know, we talk about the dangers of sleep training. Uh, in actual fact, there is no um, research anywhere that shows a healthy baby in a good home has any long-term negative effects from three nights of sleep training. It seems to me we all, when people talk like that, they ignore the health and well-being of the adults caring for the baby. Because yes. most people don't really head into yeah. that territory unless they're really tired and really need sleep. Well, yes. And, I mean, the, the thing is that um, it's a personal decision. So people who think it's wrong, who don't believe in it, it's a religious um, pursuit, really. That's fine. If, if parents don't want to do it with their own children, don't do it. But really, no one should be on a mission, you know, to rid the world of, of what is known as control crying or sleep training. If parents are going to do it, there's a whole lot of um, information they need, and they often need a good health professional to, to give them a hand. I mean, when I was working, I suppose I sat with parents and talked to them for at least 20 to 25 minutes. It's not a matter of saying, I'll just leave them to cry and go off. So I'm not trying to flog my book here because there is the similar information in many books, but I've laid it out fairly clearly in my books Mm. what needs to happen so that you can get it all done and dusted in a a short time, two or three nights. And work work out if you're okay with it. I've got to admit... Before we finish up, I did try it. Was Couldn't do it. Wasn't no, the right thing no, for me. No, that's right. Probably was the right thing for my kid, but it wasn't the right and thing for me. So just we before we it. go, quickly, the, mm. the ideal time is nine to 12 months. Okay. So the first and six months. And not young babies. No, no. The first six months. Well, it doesn't work. I mean, leaving aside any other consideration for a whole lot of reasons, which we can't talk about here. But nine to 12 months is, okay. a, is the great time. All right. Well, Robin, thank you so much. You're welcome. As Robin mentioned, um, she does have more about this information in her book. There's lots more to it. Um, The book, of course, is called Baby Love, and we'll have links up to Robin's website where you can find lots more helpful information. Just head to kindling.com.au. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website, Just head to kindling.com.au.